Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. In this program, we're going to learn Jesus undid to us what Adam did to us. Now follow this. In a garden, the Garden of Eden, Adam got us all damned. In a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus fought to get us all saved. Uh, from a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam got us damned. From a tree, the cross, Jesus got us saved. Adam got us all in the grave. Jesus rose from the dead to get us all out of the grave. Uh, the Bible calls Jesus the new Adam. He undid to us what the old Adam, the word Adam means man, did to us. So what we're going to do, we're going to study just a great passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you could grab your Bible in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, and let's learn some of the wonderful things that are true the day Jesus undid to us what Adam did to us. Let's pray first. God the Father, we just thank you for Jesus and for sending him to get us out from under the curse that Adam put us under. And Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit now would teach us through these verses from the Apostle Paul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes this to the ancient church at Corinth. Let me set it up first. There were false teachers at the church of Corinth saying, Jesus didn't rise from the dead and neither will we. Paul writes 1 Corinthians, the letter, oh yes he did and oh yes we will. So let's see what he told them. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. Paul writes, but someone will say, these false teachers, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. First lesson today, people who deny the resurrection, Paul says, are fools. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says you can go to hell for calling somebody a fool. And I have a relative who now and then calls somebody a fool. And I say to him, don't do that. You can go to hell for calling somebody a fool. So it's a, it's a word I almost never use. However, now and then, it's proper to use it, like right here. If somebody denies that God can raise people from the dead, Paul says, you're a fool. Now and then we get very foolish television. ABC has done this. NBC has done this. They normally do it on Holy Week, and they'll have a documentary on the real historical Jesus Christ, and they'll find the most radical scholars they can find who will say, well, the Bible says Jesus did this. Of course, we know he never did. And the Bible says Jesus said this. Of course, he never said that. <laughs> that goes on for two hours. Listen, according to Jesus himself and the Apostle Paul, if you deny that God can raise someone from the dead, the Bible calls you a fool. And here's why. This is true. They discovered a tomb in Egypt that's 3,000 years old from 1,000 B.C., they go into the tomb, and, and the, here's the, the coffin and the mummy, but they found a jar of peas. 
that has been in this tomb for 3,000 years. They took these round, hard peas out of the jar, planted them under a pane of glass, and put light on it. And after 3,000 years, they sprouted to life. <laughs> Look, God can raise the dead. He does it to peas. If you deny that God can raise the dead, the Apostle Paul says you're a fool. Many years ago, there was an atheist lecturer who was traveling around Scotland speaking to large groups, preaching against the Bible, debunking scripture. One night, he gave his lecture, any questions? One old peasant woman put up her hand. Sir, you're so much wiser than I am, but can I ask you a question? I've believed in Jesus my whole life. I've found much comfort in believing that he will raise us from the dead, and one day I'll see my loved ones again. If when I die I discover there's no God, there's no heaven, no hell, well, what will I have lost in this life by the comfort I have? The atheist said, well, madam, I don't suppose you'll lose much of anything. Well, good, can I ask just one more question? If, sir, when you die, you discover there is a God, there is a Jesus, there is a heaven and a hell, what, sir, will you stand to lose? And the story goes, the audience stood up and applauded the peasant woman, and the atheist sat down. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if you deny that God can raise the dead, you're a fool. Look at verse 36, 1 Corinthians 15, 36. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. Here's the next lesson. Every corpse is a seed. In other words, you take a little kernel of corn, put it in the, grain, in the ground, comes out this big corn stalk. When you plant a human body into a graveyard, one day it's going to sprout up glorious. The point is, the resurrection is possible because it happens on a small scale in nature every day. <laughs> now, you could say, but what does God do to people who've been in the grave for 200 years and they're totally disintegrated? That's a good question. Next verse. Verse 38. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Here's the answer. God will produce the new body. One writer said this, Why would anyone who acknowledges a creator God think his restoring bodies would be any more difficult for him than making them in the first place? And you've got the Apostle Paul in, in Acts chapter 6 saying to King Agrippa, O king, why is it considered incredible among you that God raises the dead? And Paul's point is, he created them, he can put them back together. Well, then you get, all right, but what, what about people that are cremated? and their ashes are scattered over the Pacific Ocean. Uh, how does God do that? Well, I don't know, but he's a big God. <laughs> but can I tell you what I think of when I hear of cremation? The actor Henry Fonda was an atheist. When he died, he was cremated and his ashes were scattered. And when I read that, I thought, does he think he's getting away from God? <laughs> God can put him back together, and he will. Benjamin Franklin wrote his own grave epitaph. Here's what Benjamin Franklin wrote. You find this in the Cemetery of Christ Church, Philadelphia. Quote, The body of Franklin, printer, like an, the cover of an old book, its contents torn and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here, food for worms, but 
the book will not be lost, for it will appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by its capital A author. <laughs> All right, skip down to verse 42. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. And so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Well, there's good news and bad news in what I just read. First, the bad news. We're all going to die. We will perish. See if you can tell who this preacher is. Listen to this. See if you can catch this. There is a preacher of the old school, but he speaks as boldly as ever. He is not popular, though the world is his parish, and he travels to every part of the globe, and he speaks every language. He visits the poor. He calls upon the rich. He preaches to people of every religion and of no religion. And the subject of his sermon is always the same. He is an eloquent preacher, often stirring feelings which no other preacher could, bringing tears to the eyes that never weep. His arguments none are able to refute, nor is there any heart that has remained unmoved by the force of his appeals. He shatters life with his message. Most people hate him. Everyone fears him. The name of this preacher is death. Every tombstone is his pulpit. Every newspaper prints his text. And someday every one of you will hear his sermon. So the bad news is we're all going to die. But then there's good news in those same verses. Good news is we will all be raised. After death bops us in, on the head, Jesus comes after us and he pulls us out of the grave and he raises us. And it says in these verses that he raises us imperishable. That means you won't have lumbago. You won't have a, a sore back. You won't have pimples. You won't be bald. You, you'll have no cancer. You'll have no leukemia. When we're raised in our perfect new bodies, they'll be imperishable and they'll last for eternity. <laughs> so um, bad news, death is coming for us. Better news, Jesus comes after death and raises us from the tomb. Look at verse 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. The first man, that'd be Adam, is from the earth, earthy. The second man, that's Jesus, is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthly. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, Adam, we will also bear the image of the heavenly, that would be Jesus. Here's the next lesson. The new Adam undoes to us what the old Adam did to us, what's called the curse. Now, I happened to see some time ago that 1932 movie called The Mummy. Boris Karloff is the mummy, and the archaeologists invade the mummy's tomb, and so the rest of the movie, they're under the curse, the curse of the mummy's tomb. And the, the mummy's chasing them at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the movie. The mummy gets obliterated, and, and they're, they're freed from the curse of the mummy. That's what Jesus did to us. Adam, when he sinned, got all of his children, descendants, 
infected with sin, and we're all under the curse of Adam. We all die because of that. But Jesus comes as the new Adam, the second man, gets into the grave, pays for our sins, pulls us on resurrection day out of the grave, and Jesus undoes to us the curse of the first Adam. Hallelujah. Verse 50. Paul writes, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable put on the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now, I just, a little lesson there. Did you catch that? Christians don't die. They sleep. That's a beautiful teaching from the Apostle Paul. Christians don't die. They just sleep. They go to sleep. <clears throat> Verse 51. <clears throat> we won't all sleep. That means die. But we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we, the ones alive at the second coming, will be changed. So here's the next lesson. Believers who are alive at the second coming of Christ will not die, but they will be changed. Let me repeat that. If you and I happen to be alive at the time of the second coming of Christ, you don't die. People who are alive at the second coming are changed instantaneously into their new bodies and don't have to go through death. And the word for, uh, uh, for uh, it says it will happen in a moment in verse 52. The Greek word for moment is atomos, from which we get the word atom, which means that which cannot be cut or divided, the smallest possible quantity of time. In other words, if you and I are alive at the second coming of Christ, we don't die, but just, choo, we get our new body. <laughs> Well, let me close by asking something. What does all of this about the resurrection of the dead have to do for my daily life today or tomorrow when I go to work or when I go home to the family? What, what practical application does this have for my life? Skip down to verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore meaning if all this is true about the resurrection, therefore this is true. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So here's the last lesson. Don't quit. Your labor is not in vain. Because Jesus is going to raise everyone from the dead and you'll be rewarded for serving him, don't quit. Serve him till your last breath because it means something. Your life has meaning and purpose because you don't just die and become worms, food for worms. You die and you're raised from the dead and you're rewarded for serving the Lord. Now and then I would ask somebody, well, do you mind teaching Sunday school on Sunday morning? Well, pastor, I did that years ago. Let somebody else, let the younger people do that. And when I hear that, I think, so you quit? Because you're older, you just quit serving the Lord? <laughs> Paul, uh, John MacArthur, uh, a Baptist preacher, has written this. Listen to these words. Leisure and relaxation are two great modern idols to which many Christians seem quite willing to bow down. In proper proportion, recreation and diversions can help restore our energy and increase our effectiveness, but they can also easily become ends in themselves, demanding more and more time and attention and concern. More than one believer has relaxed and hobbied himself completely out of the work of the Lord. In other words, don't quit. I mean, nobody loves vacations more than I do. I take my vacations. I love my vacations, but you still don't quit. You could, then you come back and you serve the Lord. I will tell you, I knew a lady by the name of Helen 
She was our organist at the church. She, when she was 90 years old, was in the nursing home. She would go to the piano and play hymns. And she said to me once I visited her, Oh, Pastor Tom, the old people of the nursing home, they tell me they just so love it when they hear me play the old hymns. When Helen died, a Lutheran pastor, 92 years old, got up and did her funeral. And he said in the funeral, isn't it wonderful Helen never retired? And I read this last week. That 92-year-old pastor is now 102, and he's still writing books that you can order on the Lord. So my point is, what does all this resurrection from the dead have to do with my daily life? It means your life is meaningful. It has purpose, because one day God's going to raise you from the dead, and everything you did for Christ will be rewarded. Therefore, don't retire. Take a vacation if you need it. But Christian, if you can breathe, God has you here for a purpose serve the Lord, your reward is coming. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, if people are raised on the last day, are Christians right now sleeping or are they consciously with Christ if they've already mm -hmm. died? And you know, Jackie, being a pastor for like, what, 31 years now, the number one most asked question in my ministry has been that question. Is grandma in heaven now, or is she sleeping waiting to be raised from judgment on judgment day? And the answer is yes and yes, meaning my grandma was a Christian. I think grandma is consciously in heaven with Christ right now. I still think she's waiting till judgment day to be given her perfect new resurrection body. The dead will return with Christ. Their spirits are there with them now, but I don't think they have their perfect new resurrection body yet. For that, they're raised imperishable on the last day. Both are true. So what scripture do you get that okay. from? I think people really yeah. All right. question this. All right. Where does it say that you go to be with Christ immediately? Well, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not 2,000 years from today, but today you'll be with me in paradise. If you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus starts to shine in front of his disciples. Who appears to Jesus to talk to him? Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament. They're not sleeping. They're awake. They're talking. So, you know, th those are some of the uh, places I would take people. But then you also have the verses that talk about the dead being raised. Christians are asleep and they're waiting for their new bodies. Okay. Pastor Brock, is it always a sin to call someone a fool? Yeah. It, Jesus says in Matthew 5, if you call someone a fool, you are liable to the hellfire. So Jackie, it's, that's a word I almost never use. In fact, I would virtually say I never call somebody a fool. However, there's a time and a place even to use that word. One of it is the sermon we just preached. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul calls these false teachers who deny that God can raise people from the dead. He says, you're fools. In the, in the book of James, God calls certain false believers there fools. So I wouldn't use it often, but there is a time and a place. Pastor Brock, I have to be honest. I can remember telling my children they were being foolish. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. Is that wrong? I mean, you know, there's I, a I don't pattern of behavior. I don't think so because the Bible says, you know, uh, uh, the, fool, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So, you know, if your children are doing awful stuff, you know, that's a foolish thing to do. I think that's different than 
you know, you knucklehead or whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, will we know our loved ones in heaven? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you must get asked that all that the time. That is probably, that's, that's another one near the top ten of the right, questions because, pastors Because, I get. mean, we keep reading yeah. scriptures that mm -hmm. contradict that we're not going to know and that right. people say, well, I'll be sad if I don't know that my... Loved, loved, loved husband is in heaven. And my response is, I think we will know our loved ones in heaven. Because Jesus said, you will see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And I've never laid eyes on those guys, but I'm going to know that's who Jacob was. You know? So I do think I'll know that was grandma. Yeah. Or will we know people as someone in Christ? Mm -hmm. Like you say, you've never seen mm -hmm. Jacob or Isaac, right. but so you're God going will to have know to them? give us knowledge. So, and, you know, Jackie, just so people know, you, don't, you aren't married to your husband in heaven. Jesus said there is no marriage in heaven because you don't need to repopulate because nobody dies up there. So, you know, you'll, I'm guessing you'll recognize that was my husband and you'll be glad he's there, but you won't be married to him because the big deal of heaven is we'll be with Jesus. Right, but then again, you just brought up, you'll be glad that he's there. Mm -hmm. What happens if you can't find somebody in right. heaven that... Will you be sad, you know? If there's no sadness. Right. Well, there's no sadness. Maybe God will so enlighten us by then that we'll understand it's right for these people who've rejected Christ not to be in heaven. And that's sad, but also there's some rightness to that that might cause us to understand. Okay, Pastor Brock, <laughs> I'm guessing here, yeah. Here's another weird one for okay. you, though. But somebody has this question. If someone dies at the age of five or at the age of 85, is that the way they're going to look for the rest of eternity, mm -hmm. is how yeah. old they were when they died? Well, I'll the, again, I'm guessing here. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, our body is sown a perishable body. It's raised an imperishable body. So you, you won't have disease and you won't have... So my grandma, I don't know what she'll look like when I see her. I have no idea. Will she be 83 for eternity? I'm guessing probably not. Would a three-year-old be three years old? For, I'm guessing that. I don't know what the Lord does, but we leave that stuff to him. Yeah. Except that, you know, it's hard to imagine. I mean, children make the world a more wonderful place. Mm -hmm. And if we get to heaven, are we no longer going to recognize what a wonderful thing children yeah, can so be? Yeah, so maybe there will be children in heaven. I, I don't you know. know. I, I, but, you know, the next big, big question, Pastor Tom, will I see Fluffy in heaven? Well, wasn't it Ruth Graham who said that when she asked that of somebody or she believed that if that's what it would take to make her happy in yeah, heaven, that yeah. God would grant that? <laughs> I suppose. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So, do you think the second coming of Christ is going to happen soon? That's a big question. Mm -hmm. Everybody mm -hmm. wonders when. And Cert what's your Well, personal? certain things have to happen before the second coming, one of which is Jesus says the nation shall hear and then the end will come. So all the nations of the earth have to hear the gospel. I think you could make an argument, it's coming true. You know, almost every nation has heard the gospel, has had missionaries. Uh, whether to the extent that Jesus was talking about, I don't think we know. Uh, the Antichrist has to appear before Christ comes, and you could make the argument he's already been here and we didn't recognize him, possible, but seems to me certain things have to happen that maybe we're, we are very close but Jackie, as I get older in Christ, when I was in my 20s, I thought, oh yeah, it's around the corner. 
that's common in 1986. Boy, was I wrong. Well, and what's this group that has had, what, three different times? I know. Times? you got to be careful. Yeah. So I, as I get older, I think, uh, I think our, our American culture is in trouble. We may be nearing the end of America as we know it. That doesn't mean the world's going to end. So I think uh, the best we can do is live as if it, we are in the end times because that's always safe, but only the Lord knows. Mm -hmm. But I do believe, Tom, though, that we have seen so much more just within the last 10 to 20 years Weird weather. of things happening climatic-wise, yep. you know, uh, countries being mm -hmm. destroyed. And, and Israel existing again, right. which nobody thought would happen until it happened in 1948. And there are prophecies that before the end there'll be a, a war against Israel. So, yeah. All right, Tom, do you think it's wrong for people to retire? <laughs> yeah, because that was part of the text just now. You that just don't, don't give up. Uh, work for the Lord because you're going to be raised from the dead. Your reward is coming. So here's the thing. It's okay to retire from your job as, you don't re as, as long as you don't retire from serving the Lord in some way. I, was, I preached at a Baptist church recently. I'm a Lutheran, but I'll preach at your Baptist church if you want, because I do go out and I preach for various denominations now. And, and go to our website, pastorstudy.org, because I can preach at your church now. And I was preaching to this dear Baptist church, and a lot of them are elderly people, you know, crunched over. And, and I said to them, for some of you, all you can do is pray but I said, that's huge. We need prayer warriors for the Christian church. So everybody can do something until you take your last breath. It doesn't have to be your job, but don't retire from living for the Lord. Yeah, and I think, too, that a lot of people look forward to the retirement time because sometimes they couldn't do some of the right. things with... That's a good attitude. And what? I think if you take that attitude, you, bet. you can do more as a retiree yeah. than you could when you Indeed. were working. Indeed, but here's the bad attitude, Jackie. Well, Mr. So-and-so, would you mind teaching Sunday school? Well, Pastor, I did that years ago. Let somebody else do it. Well, so what are you doing? Nothing? You know, Just because you did it years ago doesn't mean you can't do it again. So. I think there's other things. I might have that same thing. I taught Sunday school mm -hmm. years ago. I haven't done it mm -hmm. for years, but now maybe I could do, do more do with something. visitation yeah, or right. things, helping to do That's things. Right. But do something. <laughs> yes, great. Okay. Tom, can you explain what incarnation and reincarnation are? Because there's yep. a lot of people that think they're the same no. or they're com Okay. Christians believe in what's called the incarnation, the enfleshment. Christians believe God became human flesh. It only happened once. Jesus was the God-man on earth. That's the Christian teaching. It's called incarnation. It happened at Christmas. Only happened once. Hindus and New Age people believe in reincarnation, that when you die, you come back to earth and are reincarnated as maybe another person or a cow or some animal, and you've got to come back, I don't know how many times, to get rid of bad karma, and then you dissolve into nirvana. Um, Christians don't believe in that because the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, says, it is appointed unto man to die once, and then comes judgment. So you don't, you don't keep coming back. Okay. So, also, is the Holy Spirit God? Yes, the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. And in Acts chapter 4, is it Acts chapter 4, where Ananias and Sapphira, Paul, Peter says, Ananias, you didn't lie to men, you lied to God, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Peter equates the Holy Spirit with God in that book of Acts. So. But each of those 
each of the three persons have their own unique role. Right. There's only one God, but the three persons are distinct. For instance, Jackie, God the Father did not die on the cross. God the Son died on the cross. Right. So there's one God, but there are distinctions in the, in the persons. And they have different... Yeah, the Father creates, the Son so redeems, redeems, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. Yeah. Okay. So, Pastor Brock, we're out of time. There we go. Check our website out see what we can do to help you and what you can do to help us. We pray God be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.